0: John Nolan spent a good chunk of his career working for the U.S. Postal Service.
1: A total of 24 years, uh, 19 years in my first stint, ending up as uh, postmaster in New York City. Then I went to work for Merrill Lynch for 11 years and then came back for five years as the deputy postmaster general.
0: All of the controversy surrounding the post office. It's been hard for him to watch.
1: It's very frustrating. The, uh... The lack of understanding of the Postal Service and how it works and what's important to it by people who have control over it to a certain extent is very frustrating. I take a lot of pride in the time I spent with the Postal Service, and I know postal people are very proud of the organization, so it's, it's frustrating.
0: Even while he was at the top of the organization 20 years ago, a lot of people didn't understand how the Postal Service is run.
1: You know, while it's not rocket science, it's not a simple process and a simple organization. It's very, very big, a lot of moving parts. And so you see over and over again the things that are just irrelevant being raised as big issues, and the important issues really not understood.
0: John says those photos of blue mailboxes and sorting machines being removed, they're causing more of a stir than is really necessary.
1: Part of it is that people shouldn't jump off on things, you know, saying right now that they demand that the the machines should be put back online or demand that the boxes be put back is not going to help service for the election, period, end of discussion. It is not.
0: Today on the show, what we're getting wrong about the post office and how a former deputy postmaster general thinks you should be planning to vote later this year. I'm Ray Suarez filling in for Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us.
2: This episode is brought to you by Discover.
1: If we lose here, it'll be 50 years before we ever get back up again.
2: Like the drag queens say, take out the earrings, sharpen the nails, there ain't no going back.
0: We've heard a lot about one of the big structural problems facing the Postal Service. Americans just aren't sending as many letters, rent checks, and birthday cards through the mail as they used to. This is what the USPS calls first-class mail, and it has declined dramatically. Twenty years ago, the Postal Service was anticipating this. John Nolan was part of the team planning for it, but it still happened way faster than anyone expected.
1: Well, back when I rejoined the Postal Service in 2000, we were right in the middle of a strategic planning effort. It was obviously anticipated that first-class mail was going to be uh, shrinking, and first-class mail is the franchise. That's really where the Postal Service covers most of its uh, institutional costs. Uh, what happened was, we, we set out a 10-year forecast, and uh, the losses that we saw uh, in first-class mail happened in the first, I think, four years. So our worst case was not a worst case. Um, and whether it's bank statements, or payment of bills, or receiving invoices. Um, things started happening very, very quickly. Uh, incentives were given to people that had bank accounts not to get paper bills or payments, and um, things started to really uh, go into f- uh, full speed in terms of losses of, uh, of mail volume.
0: So if you're listening to our conversation and you did Evite instead of um, sending your grandmother a birthday card, And if you paid your credit card bill online and if you got your bank statement in an email, you, in effect, were part of what's giving the Postal Service problems today in 2020.
1: Yeah. See, the the fundamental problem, uh, and I always use this as an example, for those of you that have uh, door delivery, when the letter carrier walks up to the front door of your house if he or she used to be delivering ten letters and now it's five, that walk doesn't get any shorter. The cost of that carrier walking to the front door has gotten higher for every piece of mail that's delivered and and every year there's tens of thousands of uh, actually closer to a million new delivery points, so mail volume is shrinking. the walk to the front door isn't getting shorter, and uh, you can see the problem
0: so the revolution in Parcel service. And I think revolution is a good word. So many people are buying so many things online. Uh, when you ride through certain neighborhoods, you see piles of boxes on the front doorstep. The revenue from that, even when the post office is picking up some of the volume from Amazon, from retailers, that's not enough to make up for the loss of bills and credit card statements and birthday cards and love letters.
1: Nope, And even though it, the package rates, even the, uh, the negotiated rates with big customers like Amazon, for example, uh, more than cover its direct costs, they, they do contribute to paying for the institutional costs. So the loss of any of that business would be damaging. And so the, they, they love packages. They love advertising mail. Advertising mail covers more than its direct costs. Um, but um, it doesn't make up for it.
0: Let's talk about 2020. At the same time as the President of the United States was speculating about the unreliability, the inability of the Postal Service to handle, for instance, election mail, election-related mail, ballots, the public was seeing pictures of blue mailboxes loaded onto trucks. The public was seeing pictures of sorting equipment, being taken offline. And the public was being told the post office can't handle this. And this just seems like a perfect storm of either bad timing, uh, bad messaging, bad optics. I'm not sure what it was, but it didn't do the post office very many favors. Is that fair to say? Yeah,
1: bad pretty much covers it. Uh, <laughs> there's there's no doubt that statements by the president certainly damaged the the image of the postal service in a lot of people's minds. I mean, people that really have looked at it uh, realize that uh, what was being said there wasn't true, but but it uh, it hurt. And then you have a postmaster general who comes in, who is a uh, a supporter of the president's, and the inference was immediately by people, "Uh uh-oh, this guy's come in to trash the organization. And uh, lo and behold, then actions are taken that seem to support that notion, as you said, with the mailboxes and the sorting equipment. And so um, uh, the optics were terrible, and the uh, perception was that uh, the Postal Service was having service problems, and uh, those were caused by the actions taken by the Postmaster General.
0: There have been service issues in certain areas, but Nolan says they have more to do with the coronavirus than anything else. Mail carriers were getting sick and going into quarantine, for example, and that slowed down mail delivery. But some of the Postal Service changes that have alarmed the public were planned before Louis DeJoy even took office as Postmaster General in May.
1: So the problem that occurred was... Number one, you've got this perception of new postmaster general coming in, president wants to kill the Postal Service. Uh Uh-oh, here you go. And at the same time, you're running up to an election. And at the same time, you're in the middle of a pandemic and your service is suffering as a result of some specific things. And on top of that, there's very little or no communication to the mailing industry, uh, to the Congress, to the general public about uh, uh, what's about to happen and why. The plans for the removal of the boxes and the equipment were set before the postmaster general came in. Those boxes are not needed because they, they count the volumes coming out of those boxes and there just wasn't any volumes there. You can mail a letter at your house and the carrier will pick it up. And in terms of the sorting equipment, because of the drop in first class mail volume and the increased amount of time that that the Postal Service has to sort that mail, not only was the equipment not needed, it was in the way. Uh, With the increase in package business, that requires more space, and these machines take up a lot of space, not to mention the cost of maintaining them. So in order to to serve the package customers better, uh, let's get these pieces of equipment out of there so that we have room to sort the packages. Good idea, operationally, Looks terrible when it's occurring, and at a time when you're not really communicating what's going on. So uh, there was a whole lot of things uh, that came together that made this seem like a really, really bad idea.
0: Could this have been helped if the postmaster general or anybody from the USPS had spoken to the public about it?
1: Well, I'm I'm a big believer in communication, and I think that could have helped for sure. Leading up to an election, I'm not sure that there's enough money in it to pull those boxes at a time when there's already questions about the Postal Service and and what's going on there. So I I don't know that just communication would have solved the problem. Time might have been (laughs) a strong force there too. So uh, it's
0: waiting until after election day, you mean?
1: Yes, yes. It, It all has to come together. It's not just a matter of what's right operationally, you're a service. You're visible. You got to communicate. And you got to understand what else is going on in the environment. Have some of these
0: cuts perhaps overshot the mark? There was some reporting out of Los Angeles, for instance, where there were clouds of flies in some sorting areas in a big uh, parcel handling facility. Uh, because there was food rotting in packages that's meant to be delivered fairly quickly, uh, but hadn't been delivered. So it was still sitting there inside boxes. Chicks that were live chicks that were being sent out for overnight delivery, uh, dead in their boxes because they sat waiting to be uh, delivered. Is there uh, some reasonable and reasonably informed suspicion that maybe some of this has gone too far.
1: I've, I've heard a lot of different opinions as to whether there was an order to eliminate overtime or dramatically reduce overtime. And some say, yeah, there was an order, and others say, no, it was misinterpreted at some local levels. So I, I don't know what the, what the facts are, frankly, there. But uh, certainly, uh, mail shouldn't sit. Uh, it doesn't cost you any more to sort and deliver a a piece of mail today than it does two days from now. So uh, why wait? Get it out the door. As as we used to say, you got to have a clean house every day and uh, you want all that mail to to get out. And again, when you're in a competitive business, uh, in the package business, so you can't afford to let things sit because uh, if you can't do it, your competitor can.
0: Moving forward, unquestionably, there's been um, a knock to the Postal Service in Americans' eyes in the last couple of weeks and months. And now there's an open question being repeated frequently whether the Postal Service, as currently constituted, is up to the task of helping Americans vote in the middle of a pandemic. Do you have any question about whether the Postal Service is up to the task?
1: No, I, I really don't. The amount of volume that we're talking about, even in the highest case, th- this mail gets sorted on high-speed sorting machines, of which they still have more than they really need to get the job done on a daily basis, can process that mail without without a problem. And they're, they're going to a, a small, defined number of destination points. It's not to... Uh, Uh, 200 million uh, residences uh, or 160 million residences around the uh, country. uh, They've got the firepower to get it done. I think that the key thing is to recognize is that if you're looking at the entire process, the Postal Service is only one entity of that process. And and I contend that, that that entity can and will function effectively. And they're working hard with their partners, so to speak, in the process, so you've got the election boards that have to design a ballot and uh, then work with a contractor who's going to print the ballot and mail the ballot. And the Postal Service has come up with a detailed set of instructions that that should be followed by the election boards as well as the uh, as well as their contractors to make sure that addresses are, are proper, to make sure that. Uh, For example, uh, the Postal Service has a thing called the Intelligent Mail Barcode. If that barcode is placed on the mail by the mailer and on the return envelope by the uh, election board, uh, every piece of mail in the system can be tracked exactly where it is. What, What better way of being able to prove exactly where you are in the process and how many ballots are still outstanding, who got their ballots, who still hasn't gotten their ballots, and if they do all of the things that are recommended and do them as early as possible, not wait to the last minute, then you're going to have a successful uh, vote. Again, the Postal Service has done this for so long that they, they know what they're doing and the instructions that they lay out are very specific, uh, very detailed, and if uh, followed, very successful. They have 500 coordinators that they've named to work with the roughly 11,000 election boards around the country to make sure if there's any questions, any problems, anything, that they know exactly who to call and that person knows exactly what the right uh, answers are. The Postal Service, in my opinion, has done a lot of the things necessary to set up for success in this country for a dramatic increase in in mail voting. And they're part of the process. There is no doubt in my mind that they've got the firepower to get it done.
0: Well, it seems to me that um, the challenge now is uh, kind of a hardware challenge and a software challenge, and let me explain what I mean by that. It sounds like the organizational and institutional challenge uh, is, is one that you are confident can be handled, uh, because just as a, a matter of course, it's easier to get things mailed from 100 million places to go to a much, much smaller number of places than it is to do the opposite, to get them from a small number of places out to 100 million. So yeah, mailing your ballot shouldn't be a problem. But it also sounds like there is a confidence problem, that somebody ought to be speaking with a big voice about whether they can trust the post office. And yet the president of the United States is actively undermining that conversation. Is that a problem for the USPS?
1: Well, it's, it's, um, it's certainly a psyche problem for the Postal Service. It's a bigger problem for our democratic process. Uh, I mean, you want people to be able to vote. And people that can't get to polls, you want them to feel comfortable the fact that there's an alternative that is secure and will work. And when people don't have confidence in that and don't use it, but can't get to the polling places and don't vote, uh, that's a problem for our democracy.
0: (sighs) Well, I guess uh, the the takeaways are uh, get ready early. And if you're an individual voter, uh, mail as soon
1: as you can. Is that fair as well? That's, that's absolutely right. The other big thing, the other big thing, if you have moved since the last time you voted, you will not get a ballot uh, because the Postal Service cannot forward election mail. And if the only address that the election board has is your last address that you no longer live at, you need to update that. You need to get that information to the election boards as soon as you possibly can. Everyone that's been evicted or, or uh, for whatever reason needs to get to their post office, a post office, and put in a change of address for wherever you're going to be and uh, needs to contact their election board to make sure that the election board knows that you're not at your old location, here's the location you are at, And this is where I want material sent. Even if you move in the same apartment building from apartment 11 to apartment 31, the mail cannot be forwarded to that other box by law. And so you need to let the election board know that. And that's a big, big deal that a lot of people just don't recognize. But once you've done that, mail early.
0: John Nolan, thanks a lot for sharing your expertise and your knowledge with us.
1: Always a pleasure, right?
0: John Nolan is the former Deputy Postmaster General with the U.S. Postal Service. That's the show. What Next is produced by Jason DeLeon, Danielle Hewitt, Mary Wilson, and Elena Schwartz. We're led by Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. Mary Harris will be back to host What Next tomorrow morning. I'm Ray Suarez, signing off from guest hosting duties, but you can catch me on Twitter. I'm at Ray Suarez News. It's really been fun bringing you the program these past three weeks. I hope you'll look for me in the other places I pop up. Thanks for listening to What Next.
2: Coming soon from Slate Podcasts. So first it was Dade County.